This is the Scale with Psychology podcast, where you're going to optimize your psychology to exponentially scale your business and become the ultimate version of yourself. I'm your host, Ani Manian, widely known as the Mind Whisperer and trusted advisor and psychedelic therapist to the world's top entrepreneurs and leaders. And I believe that entrepreneurship is a mental game. And the main constraint in any business is not the strategies and tactics, but the psychology of the founder. And with each episode, I'm going to help you take your life in business to levels you never thought possible. If you're ready to play the game of life and business in God mode, then this is the podcast for you. Of Entrepreneurs Rising, it's a real pleasure to be with you here today with someone I love, someone I respect, and whose work I really admire. Um, my friend Will, who's with me here today, Will Reason, is a peak performance coach. And a lot of his work centers around using the body as an access point for unlocking higher levels of performance. And it's a real pleasure to welcome him on the show and introduce him to you today. Hello, Will. Hello, Ani. Thanks for having me here, brother. It's an absolute delight. And I think we're going to have a fascinating conversation. And, you know, all the conversations we've have we've had on, up until now has been so incredibly powerful mm. and it's a shame that they've happened off air so it's really cool to be doing this with you live on air and what a time to be doing that too because this is a time when people are experiencing peak stress yeah. peak fear peak panic and all of it is having a huge impact on their physiology and it's really impacting their ability to regulate themselves and it's impacting their ability to be resilient yeah. during a time when that's probably the most critical. So how are you seeing this in your work and what are your thoughts on these concepts of regulation and resilience? Yeah, thanks, man. Um, you know, right now there are a lot of things going on in the world that are impacting all of us. And uh, just speaking to this, this point of regulation, um, what is regulation, right? And, and the way I think about that is something happens. There's a charge that moves through my body. I need to respond to it. And can I regulate myself enough to be able to respond to it? And something happens in business. Something happens in the world. And do I get overwhelmed with the stress of it? Do I turn off? Do I shut down when I can't run away? Or am I able to meet that and regulate myself, my physiology? Um, and then when I think about resilience, I think my ability to adapt to changing circumstances. You know, as creatures, as, as, um, um, as a species, those that adapt survive. Well, and they do more than survive, they thrive, right? Adaptation is essentially what resilience is, right? It's like our ability to, to adapt to the changing circumstances around us. And so what am I seeing? People are stressed, people are scared, and people are inspired, people are creating. And all of those things are normal. Stress, 
given the current circumstances of things in life, it's normal. And what do we do with that? How do we do something about it? How do we meet that stress? And are we willing to be honest about what happens when we do meet that stress and something like, I need to, I need to, to take a nap on the couch in the middle of the day. I just need to rest. Like that's normal. Somebody might be overloaded. They might just need to rest. And I, I noticed that some people have a tendency to demonize the stress response, our physiological stress response. Um, and that's just another example of fear. Afraid to be afraid, afraid to feel scared, afraid that it might take over. So I see it. Afraid, afraid to feel, afraid to period. Feel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see it. I see it influencing people in all sorts of different ways. It's a beautiful space to drop in with you. Mm. You know, you said, well, um, it's unfortunate we haven't had a chronology of some of these amazing conversations that we've had so far. I would, I would agree. Ability to thrive, our ability to thrive as human beings, as an organized species, but particularly as business leaders, really is underpinned. It's limited by our ability to feel. And we have an innate intelligence in the body that regulates everything, that regulates emotions, that regulates um, how we respond or react to external stimuli and Right now, we are experiencing something collectively that's perhaps quite unprecedented. Tell us a little bit about what are the components that really lead to this ability that we have or dampen or repress, suppress this ability we have to naturally be resilient, which is, you know, something that's built into us as part of intelligent design. It's this tendency to be able to bend rather than break. It's the same intelligence that allows trees to withstand storms. And, you know, that has created in us um, a mechanism that allows us to heal from stress, from extreme stress, which could be traumatic in, in certain cases. It allows us to bounce back often stronger than before. So tell us a little bit about how this mechanism at a physiological level works, because for the people who are listening, for the people who are running businesses, who are feeling responsible for employees, who are feeling responsible for you know, market conditions or responsible for what's happening in their communities, this is something that's very acute right now. Mm -hmm. It is. Well, you know, as organisms, the way we grow, biologically speaking, is in relationship to stressors and to ease, right? Activation, deactivation. Um, and so at all times, we are in, in relationship in some way, shape, or form with the stimulus and stimulation from our environment, which gives signals to our bodies and how to respond. Over time, our body formulates a natural way of interacting with these signals that it gets. And that happens based on all of the environmental factors throughout our life. 
Um, and when something's known, we might know how to respond to it. Usually our system creates a, a natural system of way that it responds. So when I'm, I'm talking really abstract right here, what I'm, what I'm referring to, what I'm thinking about when I'm talking about this is really our autonomic nervous system and the response that it has in the world. I like to think about it. It's like the automatic nervous system, right? We have the different branches of that nervous system are, are constantly in communication with our environment and with other human beings. So even right now, you and I, our bodies are in communication with each other, even though we're, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes away from each other in the same city, it wouldn't matter if we were on different sides of the planet, still somehow there'd be a communication happening between our organisms. Some of that is enhanced by our ability to see each other, but there still is a felt sense connection that's occurring here. And as we are in this connection longer and longer and longer, there's a regulation that begins to take place. We call that co-regulation, right? But the signals are transmitting back and forth. And, and I can't claim to, to give you the science on that. I mean, I think we, we know there are mirror neuron activity and people that understand quantum physics might talk about at a quantum level what's happening. I can't claim to talk about that. All I know is that there is something that's taking place. And, and and even though we're far away, we can still have that something taking place. Now, why is this important given what's going on in the world? Well, there's a very real threat in the world right now, and it's invisible. And we don't know when something might happen. We do know that it's impacting us. We know that it's impacting our businesses. We know that it's impacting our economy. We know that it's impacting all sorts of things, our employees, if we have them, and their families, our families and we see it, but we can't touch it. We can't quantify it. And so our bodies are naturally in a state of hypervigilance of sorts, right? Now, if we don't know how to naturally regulate ourselves, I mean, like there is a normal response. We're going to, to do that automatically because that's how the body organically grows. Can you talk about that? Can you talk about what a normal response looks like? Because I think for entrepreneurs, the reality that they live is far from normal because the reality is, you know, constant heightened states of stress, yeah. right? It's very far from normal. And I would argue that even for employees, they live in such a constant state of, you know, fight or flight and just caused by stress that there may not be even an understanding of what is normal. So can you talk about that? Well, I would say in this context, what I'm referring to normal would be whatever is normal for the listener, right? Whatever is the natural response to this stimulation and, you know, from their environment and from the life that they're living in currently or were before this change took place. So a normal response might be like an example that you're giving an entrepreneur that lives a very high stress life, for instance, and, and you and I work with people like this really driven, really high stress life, lots of pressure, and they perform really well under pressure, most of them, at least most of the people that I, that I know that are like this. And it, it works as a motivator oftentimes. Yet, so over time that becomes their normal. But when something like this happens, they can't just push through. So a normal response to that might be a crash. 
It might be chaotic thinking. It might be fear. It might be emotions surfacing. It might be being kind of frozen and just binge watching Netflix. It might be overwhelmed regularly, like, what the fuck? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Pacing. But it also could be apathy. Everything's fine. It's no big deal. And this is this is the tricky one. It's like, no, I'm not stressed. Like, I feel totally fine. Like, I know logically that everything is going to be okay. I'm going to be okay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as we're talking, there's a lawnmower outside my, my window. Um, so, which just distracted me, right? See, there's a response in my body. So I'm orienting to something else that drew my attention. And this is constantly happening. But back to my story. So apathy or avoiding looking at something or minimizing the impact of something on us. Those are also normal responses to the stress. And, and I see this just as much as I see what we might call an extreme or an overactive, a hyperactive response, right? So just like we can have a hyper arousal, we can have a hypo arousal. And psychologically speaking, that shows up in an assortment of different ways, like I was just saying. But people might say, oh, what? I, I want to be like that person. They're not phased by what's going on. They're just, they're just full throttle, just like everything's okay. Everything's not okay. And that's okay. <laughs> but that's the thing here, right? We want to normalize our responses. Emotions are normal. Fear is normal. It's natural given circumstances of threat. Right? Apathy is normal. Lots of hyperactivity is normal. All of these things are normal responses to a threat or a stress. And by, by claiming that they're normal, by saying, oh, wow, yeah, this is real for me. Instead of trying to avoid it or demonize it or ignore it or, or whatever the response might be, we instead can move through it. And our systems can regulate themselves. They can relax they might need to feel really scared for a while before they relax. There are going to be little windows of relaxation. So you were asking for an example of how um, we might normally respond to stress, right? And I think it's different for every organism depending on their environment, what was normal for them when they were growing up, their family dynamic. And there's an assortment of different things that I think that I believe play into what normal is, yet at the baseline, something happens that's threatening and we might respond in a couple of different ways. We might do nothing. We might freeze. We might start thinking about something else. We might try to fight. And that might be an argument. But it also might be physical violence. We might try to run away. Right, I'm just talking about basic survival stuff. We, and we might com be completely frozen. And then there's that spectrum of how these things present in all of us, in our personality. So the psychological type of uh, spectrum, so to speak. 
and we're seeing all of this play out in business, right? Because there's people who are paralyzed. They're just in freeze. There's people who are out there putting themselves out there on, on social media and, you know, doing lives and doing a lot of public speaking with a lot of rhetoric. And there's people who are in fear yeah. and they're afraid to put themselves out there. They're feeling all these emotions. And, and so then, even within a business, we, we, we see every shade of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the, there, there's an example of the person that's moving in and out in and out of these different experiences, just kind of excited, terrified, frozen, right? Terrified, excited, full of inspiration, crashing, chaos at home, excitement at home, connection at home, optimism, terror, neutral, and an assortment of all those other things that, that lie in between. And no matter what the response is that you're going through right now, it's normal. And I think that's the key thing for all of us to remember. We all respond to stress and to circumstances differently. And whatever that response is, it's normal. And when we come to a place inside of ourselves, we can claim that, oh, this is just my normal response. This is normal for me to want to watch Netflix. This is normal for want me to want to binge drink. This is normal for me to be fighting with my partner. This is normal for me to want to sleep. This is normal for me to want to work more, right? So instead of demonizing the behavior, we can actually look at it and go, oh, wow, hmm, interesting. Yeah, this is a normal response. That's almost uh, a kind of permission giving that's even more critical right now to allow ourselves to respond to what's happening in the way that it feels right. Yeah. And then at the same time, we want to be careful not to, to get lost in whatever that is that's helping us to soften and regulate ourselves. It's the both. It's the both hand. It's the middle, the middle road here. Because there is absolutely that permission. What is it that you need right now? And let's do that for a little bit. And then let's go back to what needs to be done. Because right? it's both. Let's talk about hypervigilance. Okay. This is something that is quite normal for most entrepreneurs. And it's also something that they don't really, they don't really know, they're not really aware of. But their body is in a constant state of hypervigilance because they're, they're really using the body's stress response and its ability to essentially be in a heightened state of arousal when it thinks that there is a threat yeah. to the system. And this is something that, you know, most entrepreneurs rely as a primary form of fuel. And this level of hypervigilance can get people through some very challenging launches, some big marketing pushes. They, it can get them through 
you know, these stretches of time where they're cranking stuff out and they're, you know, just pushing on the gas pedal because they see an opportunity and they want to you know, make the most of it. Mm-hmm. But it's usually also followed by a huge crash. And this is often very unwelcome. And, you know, you and I see this a lot, the cycles of push, crash, push, crash, push, crash. And this is very damaging to the system. So talk to me about hypervigilance and what are some of the signs and how is someone who is habituated to this cycle of pushing forward and then crashing, pushing forward and then crashing, how can they regulate themselves better? Yeah, well, what I will say is, I think you can hear my dog in the background too. He's yeah. having right now of of anxiety. There's a there's a uh, there's a lawnmower outside next door. Then for him, it sounds like a threat. So his ears and his eyes and his nose are vigilant. They're constantly assessing for safety or for danger, and, and it's kind of the same thing. And so. In that moment, he was a perfect example of vigilance, right? Now, there's a natural range of that inside of us because we need to be able to be aware and alert. But I I would say hypervigilance would be something happened at some point in, in your life and there's still residue of that living inside, a memory of that living inside the body. And so the way that you as an organism orient to the world is oriented through, uh, you know, our experiences, your experiences, right? They're cataloged, right? And you're responding to the environment in that way. So maybe that led to you, your organism needing to be alert, more alert than normal that, or than somebody else. I won't say normal because there is no such thing as it. Um, now, this is normal for you given the experiences that you've had, right? And I'm using you in the general sense here. So for for this person we're talking about, there's their system may read like threat in a lot more different places. So it stays in a heightened state of activation or excitement. Right. And this is what hypervigilance is like. I'm like, is that a threat? Is that a threat? You just said something. It might be threatening. Can I trust you? Now we're dramatizing all of this here. It shows up in subtle ways. Um, Yet I think dramatizing it's important because we overemphasize it to help it to make a little bit more sense. But if I'm really stuck in that state or I'm in living in that state in, in a more regular, you know, on a more regular basis, then I'm like, is there a threat? Is there a threat? And my system, it's not a thing that I'm thinking about. It's that my body is oriented to making sure that I'm safe. It's just doing it a lot more than a person's body who might've lived different experiences. Now, I think what you were saying about some entrepreneurs being in this more of like a vigilant state, I might even reword that to say that what I notice is that some entrepreneurs and business owners, what drives them is this like high charge, like sympathetic charge is how I think about it. It's like there's the part of our body that that gives us lots of energy, 
it's also the part that allows me to move around and have a conversation with you right now. Like my heart's beating because that part of my, my body, my nervous system is functioning correctly. Now, there are some people who live in these heightened states of, we could call it arousal or excitement. And that seems to fuel, fuel, we'll put it in air quotes here, like fueling the drive that they have, right? And we see this a lot with people that exercise incessantly that can't stop exercising because if they do, they get moody. Um, that's just an example, one example. People that work really hard all the time, but if they stop working, they completely crash like what you were talking about. Now, this, this can happen if the system might get somewhat stuck on. Now, there might there, there are an assortment of different possible reasons for this. And, you know, it would take us hours to talk about, like, what all of those things might be. Something might have happened in childhood. It could be entirely unrelated. People wouldn't think about it. Like, somebody might have been born as a C-section baby. You know, and that's way more common these days than it used to be. C-section birth. Maybe they had tubes put in their ears when they were a child. They've lived their whole life. They're not really thinking about the impact that, that might have had. Nobody in, in, their, in their family thought about the impact that had. And then later in life, they're just really, really hyperactive. And maybe not even hyperactive. They're just really active. They like to run. They like to think fast. They're active and they do a lot. They stay busy. They don't really slow down. Even slowing down for them, they're still really busy. They get a lot done. They produce a lot. They create tons of content. And then they crash. And then they do it again. Then they crash. People like this oftentimes drink lots of caffeine. They love nootropics or nootropics, however we want to say that. Um, and oftentimes they really like things, some sort of speed, like something that, that builds up, their, that like amps up their body even more. Now, these kinds of people often end up with adrenal fatigue. They often end up with difficulty sleeping. Their system just stays kind of revved like this. But that has an impact, a long-term impact. Now, I want to be really decisive with my language here because, or intentional with my language here because we're not demonizing this, this characteristic or this, this character trait in a human being. There's nothing wrong with this. This is normal. It's a normal response to stress and, and to life in general. And there are a ton of different normal responses that could take place. It's just one that we're talking about, right? But um, is it what is most healthy for the organism and for longevity, for producing, just for being creative, for effectively um, holding relationships, for building intimacy, for having a family life that's really connected? You know, is it what is most supportive for the organism overall? I would argue, no, it's not. I would argue that it's oftentimes a response mechanism that's stuck kind of cycling, right? And, and this happens in a sort of different ways. Again, we're just picking one little thing to talk about here. But what are some of the signs that this might be going on? And what can we do about it? Are the questions that I, I mean, like, what can we do about it is a question I like to ask. But some of the signs are all the things that I just listed. Just, you know, do, do you have trouble sleeping? Do you average four to six hours of sleep? Can't sleep anymore. Well, if so, I just, I, I wonder what's underneath, what's causing that. 
You know, do you have trouble turning off, turning off your mind, turning off work? You know, and if so, is there some sort of emotion that comes up when you do turn off, when you don't move fast? What happens? A lot of times this character, what we'll see is this particular character will, could get angry or feel frustrated or agitated when they're not able to do whatever the thing is that they do that helps them to feel, I'll say normal, feel regulated or calm, centered, whatever it might be. And, and what I say is, well, there's something in there, something in the body, something in the system that is looking for resolution. It's looking for a way to do something differently. But it just keeps going, 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 going. It's like... On, 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 crash. Go, 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 crash. I would argue that this is very injurious to long-term growth, long-term business growth. You know, it's, a, it's an optimization that is at best suitable for accomplishing tasks. But if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a CEO, it's not really a state that's conducive to thinking in terms of the strategy for your business, the strategy for the impact that you're trying to make, mm -hmm. thinking long-term, maybe three years down the line, five years, 10 years. And we're seeing this a lot because we're being drawn to stimuli in our environment that are firing off at all times. Yeah, We're being stimulated in a way that's that's really engineered. If you look at you know phones, if you look at social media, if you look at how technology is designed, it's designed to stimulate. And we use the same technology. I mean, you mentioned Netflix. Netflix is booming right now because everyone who's stuck at home is resorting to using Netflix as an emergency break on their nervous system. Mm -hmm. And this is, it's helpful in the short term because for a little while, we go into a theta brainwave state, the body relaxes a little bit, we tune out of all the things that are, you know, worrying us, that are stressing us. But as soon as the stimulation from Netflix is over, right, we're right back. I mean, the, the spin cycle was just put on pause. Mm -hmm. But that spin cycle resumes as soon as as soon as it's over. And as yeah. Kerry pointed out, there's a lot of fear-based advertising as well. So everything is designed to provoke us. Everything is designed to stimulate us. Everything is designed to speed up that spin cycle. And there's a lot of things spinning. And at best, what we're able to do is, you know, those two glasses of wine that you have three times a week in the evening to slow down, <laughs> to disconnect. All yep. that's doing is pressing pause. And as soon as you come back to baseline, you're going to, your 
unconscious, your nervous system is going to press play on all those things. And sometimes, and we see this in our work, the spin cycle has been running, not for days, not for weeks, sometimes months, years, and decades, sometimes lifetimes, yeah. because the spin cycle started early, early, early in the childhood, sometimes even before birth, because as we're fetuses in our mother's wombs, the amount of stress that our mothers experience, the amount of cortisol that's running through their body, it starts conditioning us and it starts conditioning our physiological and neurological responses. And we come out of the gate feeling stressed. Well, and, I, say, yeah. I would jump in here and say, and wow, it's fucking awesome that that, that is how brilliant we are as an organism, that even from the point of conception forward, we are gathering and cataloging information in our systems so that we can best survive in the environment inside of which we are growing, right? And you know, with epigenetics, we are understanding bits of, and I'm not an expert in this, I don't, I don't know a lot about this, so I just know the, the basic concepts here of, there's an imprint left. It's encoded. It's intentional for us as an organism to be able to, to grow in the environment, right? So we need to know as an organism, what was the environment that mom and dad, and mom and dad's mom and dad, and so on and so forth in the, the generational structure? What was going on there so that we know how we can survive and thrive in that particular environment, right? And then when we, the whole period of gestation, things are happening. Mom's emotional state, the food that she's eating, the environment, the stressors, the relationship with dad, if there is dad, or the relationship with mom. It, you know, so, you know, being inclusive here with, with understanding, it's just relational dynamics. Like, what's happening in the relationships that, mother, that mom has? Was there any sort of stress? That has an impact. And rightfully so. We need that. Our organism really needs that so that it can grow the way it needs to grow to be able to survive, to be able to thrive in that particular environment. That's really what we're optimized for. So the, the operational question for a lot of people is what kind of environment is your nervous system actually optimized for? Because you might be optimized for a world where there's constant threat, there's constant stress. It's very unstable. It's not safe. It's not nurturing. There isn't a consistent level of connection you know, the connection gets ruptured um, at will, outside your will, at someone else's will. It's unpredictable. It's, and for most people, what they do is they perpetuate the same reality that they were born into. And, you know, this is responsible for patterns being passed down generations. This is responsible for trauma being passed down generations. And the quote I love about that is, Trauma is passed from generation to generation until someone is brave enough to feel it. And so many of us have trouble feeling it because, well, for most people, it's buried so deep in the unconscious. And what's visible is these patterns, these patterns of responses that we have. It's the way we act. It's the way we rev up and we rev down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, The, the there's a brilliance to 
And you can hear George again. He's stressed again. My dog. There's a brilliance. Hypervigilance. He's, yeah. Hypervigilance going on. Guys, there's something outside. It's loud, and I'm scared. And I'm scared right now. And that's all that is. It's just like, he's scared. He's terrified. <laughs> so it's a perfect example of how the system becomes activated when it, when it thinks there's a threat. And it, can't, it has trouble regulating itself once it's so activated. Now, I, I, you know, as we're talking, and something that you were saying, it reminded me of something I was reading the other day. And I took, I took some notes um, from a book that Deb Dana wrote. Um, and, and I want to read something here because I think it, it speaks to what we're talking about here, right? Like there are the imprints, there, there is the natural adaptation that takes place in relationship to our own experience, the nurturing we receive or the lack thereof, the psychological um, support or the lack thereof that we receive from our environment. Like once we're old enough to have a psychological like understanding of things, but before three to five, you know, in there, there's, there's, we don't time date stamp anything. It's all just encoded in real time. So the beginning of our life lays the foundation for the way that we orient to the world. But what we know is that that's just the beginning, right? So in each of our relationships, right, the autonomic nervous system is learning about the world. And this is Porges's work, Stephen Porges, who's theory is the polybabel theory, right? And it's being toned towards habits of connection or protection, right? So our system is, it's responding. It's like muscle toning to specific exercises, right? That's a very oversimplistic way of thinking about this. Early experiences, really, they really do shape the way our nervous system and the way, therefore, the rest of our body which is, you know, the nervous system is a communication system in our body. It shapes that, the structure of it in the beginning. But ongoing experiences can reshape it. So that happens in connection, you know, just, just as the brain is continually changing in response to experiences um, and the environment, like I've been talking about, our nervous system, our autonomic nervous system is likewise engaged in, um, in that kind of communication. And we can intentionally ch uh, change it. We can intentionally influence the way that it responds to certain things, just like with exercise, right? So our muscle tone is going to be a specific way. Our, our bone structure, the way our body is structured is going to be a specific way based on the environment that we grew up in and the, the way that we moved and so on and so forth, right? It's the same inside of our nervous system. And we can exercise our body to make it look different and for it to respond differently to the environment because it's doing different things. So similarly, we can do the same kind of thing with our response to stress. So by um, practicing in incremental ways, being with a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more of emotions and of these experiences, the internal experience of ourselves, our range grows and our ability to be with different extremes, right? We'll put that in air quotes here, of experiences also changes. And so like, it's really quite fascinating to think about this because that means 
that while early childhood experiences have shaped the way we began and probably are running some programs, as we might call them, right? They're having an influence. They're having an impact on the way we think and the way we relate to other human beings, the way we emote or don't emote, the way we respond or don't respond to stress. And there are ways that we can influence that and change that. So it's really important that we know and that we remember we're not stuck this way. We are, we grow um, naturally. It's, it's normal for us to be adapting. And that's where resilience really is. It's in that adaptation that's inherent inside of us. So one of the com components of this, and I'll be teaching about this in a masterclass in a few weeks with, um, with a, a friend of mine. Um, one of the components of this that's really vital for all of us to understand, especially during times of social distancing, is that co-regulation, right? Relational contact, right? Like as I reach out for contact with you, like, and our systems are doing this even right now. We're in contact with each other. Like I was saying towards the beginning of our conversation, like there's a resonant something that happens in our systems as we're communicating with each other, right? So in that, there's this co-regulation that occurs, right? So we're regulating together. So it's important for our listeners, it's important for all of you listening to remember that even when you want to pull away or even though you're physically isolated, from connecting with others. You're not cut off from being connected. And connection is a vital component of our ability to thrive as a species and to, to really to live as a species, which is one of the reasons that, that everything that's going on might, um, we could say it seems bigger than it is. I, and, and I don't, I don't want to minimize what it is because it is big. We are being required to distance ourselves from other human beings to slow the spread of this particular virus. Now, in that, we still can reach out for connection and it's actually even more important that we do because that helps us to regulate. And when, when our systems are regulated, we're healthier, we're happier, and we sleep better. Now, out of this, I'm gonna be curious to see if potentially what ends up happening is families, there might be some some spikes in frustration or fighting or disagreements. But I think that what we're going to see is that overall, a lot of people are going to be even more connected. A lot of families are going to come together in ways that they hadn't in a long time because they're now spending time together. This doesn't diminish the financial hardship, which sends us into a state of fear and into survival yet even in that, we will at least have each other for that support. And it's essential, right? At all times, we are in states of resonance. You and I are resonating together right now. You're listening. And relationally, we stay in this resonance until we don't. And something happens. So we call it, there's like attunement and misattunement, right? Are we connected or did we just disconnect? Did my mind just wander? As soon as that happens, let's just use romantic relationships as an example. Like 
we're connected. We're connected. We're, we're, we're resonating together. We're attuned together. And then something happens. And we're like, whoop. We all know that. Like, whoop. There's that feeling of, uh-oh, something's off. Where are we headed? What's getting ready to happen? And something changes in my body. Now, I'm here with you. And as soon as that something changes in my body, you feel something change in your body. Now, do you know, do you have an idea in your mind of what that is? No, it, but it is happening in the body. There's a felt sense shift or a change because we just came out of resonance. Now, can we come back into connection? Because when we do, that, that stops the conflict from escalating. But as soon as one person escalates, and if we notice in conflict, one escalates. And if this person cannot hold their state, if they're not resourced enough to be with the tension that's here in this person, right? If I've experienced significant trauma in my life, this person getting activated is going to activate me. It's going to send my body signals of, oh, there's a threat. It's dangerous. And what happens? My system gets activated. Then your system gets more activated. We're resonating in the activation together. Misattunement, more activation, more activation, more activation. And next thing you know, just we're all, our thinking mind's gone. The, the body pulls brain, I mean, pull, pulls brain, <laughs> pulls blood from our mid prefrontal cortex and pulls it away to help us to prepare for the threat, to fight it, to fight it off. It's dangerous now, right? But there's this component, this unspoken, invisible, yet felt sense component of the relational dynamic that's at play here that's taking place. Yeah. And this is, this is one of those times when business meets intimate relationships. This is one of those times when business also meets health. This is one of those times when business intimate relationships and health meet finances they meet every aspect of who we are and this is one of those times when this conversation is more important than ever well this feels like a really beautiful place to bring this chapter of this conversation to a close it's been wonderful to hear your perspectives on on some of the things that really underline everything we do everything we think everything we feel and i'm excited to continue this soon in the meantime i'd love for you to share where people can find you find your work and maybe find that master class that you're you're referring to i'll be sharing more information soon on my facebook profile about the master class that's coming up um i think it'll be in two weeks i'm pretty sure we've decided on the 18th of um of april um, now, people can find me on Facebook. It's Will Reason, R-E-Z-I-N. You can see it here on the screen. Um, I have a website, reasonconsulting.com. And get in touch. You know, I answer all correspondences. I don't work with a lot of people every year, so I have space to be in conversation. If you have questions, I'm here to answer them. I'm happy to have conversations with people. I do this because... I just have this innate love for people and, and I want to see us all feeling safe 
in our bodies in connection with each other. So, and, and there'll be more stuff coming soon. Beautiful. Thank I you. Recommend your work enough. Thank you so much for being here. And if you've been with us here live, thank you so much for being here. If you've been listening to this conversation on the podcast, thank you so much for being here. It really means a lot, each and every one of you who is able to partake and participate in this conversation. Please share this conversation with anyone who you think it might benefit. Please rate the show, leave a review. It really makes a difference. And I can't wait to be back here with you guys soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you found value, please consider leaving a five-star review to allow the show to reach more people or share this episode via your social media channels. If you're an entrepreneur and want support in exponentially scaling your business, email me at ani at animanian.com. <laughs>